ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Hip Hop and Anime Vibes. I am your host, D-Town, a.k.a. Pusha T'Challa, a.k.a. Eric Trillmonger, a.k.a. The Black All Might, a.k.a. On Sight. <laughs> and... I'm sorry. And I am joined today by a very special guest, none other than... Sea Visionary. Yeah, what's up? Hey, what's poppin'? Ladies and gentlemen, Sea Visionary is in the building. Uh, or as, as I like to refer to her as C-Dot or C-Dot Visionary. <laughs> C-Dot. Take away the visionary. That's it. <laughs> you know, you know. But um, we're going to be chopping it up with her today. For those of you guys who don't know, real dope content creator, uh, create some of the funniest videos that I've seen on all of my social medias. But there, you guys are going to learn that there's a lot more to her than just like funny videos. She's really, really talented and really, really dope at what it is that she does. So uh, C, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate um, having you today. Thank you so much for having me. This is so dope. I'm really fucking excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to have you on. So let's just get started. We're going to kind of give the audience a quick background on your creative journey. When did you decide to become a content creator? Like what led up to that? So I started doing sketches um, in high school just for fun, for school. And then kind of like in college, I wanted to just do them more consistently. And I was seeing people on YouTube doing like um, versus anime videos. They would have actors versus each other and fight. And I was like, that shit's dope. I don't want to do that. So I started doing like sketches kind of in the similar realm. I was doing like this anime, uh, sketch called Anime versus Real Life, Video Games versus Real Life. And then I was like, this is fun. I enjoy it. And I started to then go on Instagram when Instagram first started doing their video format. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm gonna post my sketches on there. And just kind of was an outlet of some sense to just do sketches and I just really enjoy it. So it was before, I guess, thinking about it as a content creator sense. It was more like, I really like to do it. So mm -hmm. I'm just gonna keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't until I guess like probably two years ago where I was like, oh, I want to really do this as actual content creator standpoint. Then just me just like releasing sketches is just because I wanted to. I love it. I think that's more or less like how all of us kind of stumbled upon like our passion and our love for anything yeah. it is that we're doing artistically or creatively. I'm going to dive a little bit deeper on that question because yeah. with a lot of your content, um, I can see some of it being like, especially with like the sketches, a lot of it's based in like anime and stuff like that. So yeah. where, where do you draw like the inspiration from? Because you're also putting like a fresh take on some of these anime, uh, yeah. on some of these sketches. So where are you kind of like pulling that inspiration from? So I think it started when I wanted to do the Kagome video because um, I did I did like did some of the anime sketches before that. But when I did the Kagome video, um, I was like, I have some feelings on how Kagome is dating a footboy. So I'm going to talk about that as Kagome because I have some really and I don't know. I felt like I could have just said how I felt as myself mm -hmm. as a visionary. Be like, yo, this is how I feel about Niyasha. Like, he's trash. But then I was like, you know what? I think it'll be different if I myself would 
cosplay Kagome and say how she should have said to fucking Inuyasha by being like, yo, you trash, you shouldn't be treating me like this, blah, 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 in a sketch video. No, I love it, man, because... Like the way that you express that is like how we all feel as yeah. fans. It was like you were tapping into that. We were like, I remember being young and watching Inuyasha. Like, I didn't know the word toxic, but I was like, this is probably the most toxic relationship I've ever witnessed in any medium. So He's horrible. He was like one of the first like fuck boys. I feel like I was shown to as a kid in anime, and I didn't even know it. Yeah. Yeah. He was my fave, and I didn't know. <laughs> I was like, shit, I really love him. But then I'm like, uh-uh. Mm. You want to kick your and Kagome. That was... <laughs> Can I have both? Like, no, what the fuck? Can't. He was out here choosing, man. That yeah. Boy. <laughs> that like, boy. he was like, I have a buffet, and Komi's like, Inuyasha. And he's like, but I can have both, right? <laughs> Mans was like, she's dead, but is she the like, yeah, really? yeah. She, I still get it. Like, no, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> what you gonna do? She's a clay. That's it. Yeah. Let it go. <laughs> Let it go, fam. Let it go. But it was like really weird, like as a fan, because the way that they tell the story, you kind of like rationalize the behavior like oh no but he's still in love and he loves her like I I blame it on the endings they were too fire you saw the whole oh man they played Dearest and that piano (laughs) you're like fuck I get it he could have to if he wanted to I mean that makes sense yep five in the morning boku tachi (laughs) (laughs) I love it man so um, we're gonna pivot here because again I really like your videos but on top of all of that, like I've seen you kind of like displaying your your insight as a creator. Like you kind of like sometimes on your stories, you'll break that third wall and you'll be like, hey guys, this is what's going on. This is why, you know, you've been seeing a surge in content or this is why you've seen kind of like a hiatus in content. Mm-hmm. And I would like you to speak more or less like as a creator. Yeah. What are some roadblocks or barriers that you feel like you may have ran into as a creator and how have you overcome those roadblocks and barriers? Let's go. I'm ready for this one. I I think the problem, there's like a, I don't say a problem, but the situation is that I feel like as content creators, people don't think it's tough. And I get why, because I feel like, you know, you make it, for the most part, a lot of content creators are very positive. You know, it's always about like, you know, making the content, making people laugh, having fun times, entertainment, um, whichever way or form you want to see entertainment. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, content creators get in a stunk and, and like they, they don't know whether or not what to do. There's certain moments where I'm just like, what am I doing? And even though it makes sense for other people, like, oh, she does these videos, she does this, this and that. For me, sometimes it's like, okay, am I doing this right though? Like we kind of sometimes have moments of self-reflection on content creating because you want to make sure you're doing the best that you can. And the, the for me um, personally, the best version of, of the content that you can make as best as you can. So um, I think there's sometimes roadblocks where you are thinking to yourself like, man, am I doing this right? Am I, um, is this going very well for me? Do I have to change? Is there something I have to add on? Can I experiment with something else? But this is doing very well, but I also want to try this. Mm -hmm. And I think um, 
what affects it a lot, and I always talk about it, is just um, the way social media is. I think it's a beauty, but it's also a little bit of a con because you have amazing entertainers, you have amazing content creators, all in the same umbrella in the nerd community, which is beautiful. Um, because we get to support each other, we get to uplift each other. At the same time, it's a little bit harder because you see everybody else growing. So you kind of subconsciously be like, oh, they're growing. What about myself? Mm-hmm. Like, what about me? And it's a toxic mentality, um, but it's really subconscious. You, you may think, hey, I'll never compare myself to so-and-so. But you end up doing it subconsciously because the thing about social media is that you also celebrate your positives. You celebrate if you gain so-and-so followers. You celebrate your achievements, which is great. And I'm so for it. The situation is that subconsciously, the other content creators could be like, oh shit, I'm not up to, you know, 40K, 50K. You know, I'm not up to that number. And you kind of just forget about what you have now because it's about the numbers, the growth, the, you know, seeing other people becoming bigger, bigger and being like, well, can I be just like them. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think, you know, everything that you're saying is spot on. You know, um, outside of this, I also like perform and produce music as well. Um, and even with working with the podcast, like this is also a form of content creation. And you're right. You know, we do run into those roadblocks, those barriers where subconsciously we're comparing ourselves to what's on the market. And sometimes mm-hmm. it can lead to analysis by paralysis or paralysis mm-hmm. analysis, however you want to call it. Yeah. Um, so my question at this point would be when you find yourself in that predicament, in that slump where you're kind of like stuck or burnt out or whatever, how do you re-energize yourself and bring yourself back to that positive space where you're like in your flow state and creating? Yeah. I look back at my old videos so sometimes I get stuck into what's relevant, what's now. And then I just go back in time when I really didn't think much about it. And then be like, what did I, how was I doing that back then? Like, what was my mindset? So I just go back to my old video sometimes and just see what was me at that time. What was I making? How was I going about it? Um, sometimes you just need a little bit of a break from social media. I think that, you know, sometimes you got to unplug and be like, yo, I got to just take a few minutes, um, take a few days, a week or so, months maybe, but just take a minute to, re- to remember why you're doing what you're doing. Mm. Remember that at the same time, I feel like sometimes as content creators, and I might not speak for a whole because everybody has their different journey, um, but sometimes you want to entertain others and you forget that you also need to entertain yourself because you're also making that content. So you have to enjoy it. Mm. Because if you don't enjoy it, you're gonna be miserable. Everyone wants to be happy, but you won't be happy yourself. Yeah. Then what's the whole point? The whole point, I feel like, as a content creator, influencer, what have you, is that you can have fun Mm. and enjoy it. And at that same time, other people like your stuff and they're gonna enjoy it with you. Because they'd be like, yo, that's dope. I love what they do. I'm gonna enjoy it too. And it's, it's supposed to be a good vibe. It's supposed to be really toxic or anything like that. Yeah. I I agree. Like, you're hitting the nail 100% on the head Um, because I can speak from my perspective as well. Like, when it comes to, like, producing or releasing music or even writing or whatever, fans are really smart and they can tell kind of, like, when you're phoning it in and when you're doing something kind of, like, just to fit in. 
And what you're saying is absolutely right. When you do something that's like genuine and fun and it comes from you, they can sense that, they can pick up on that, and they're more inclined to resonate with that as content. So you're holding a, a lot of really valid points here, C Dot. I, I like this conversation <laughs> so far, man. <laughs> C Dot, yo, I'm just end up like taking away visionary. Like, what happened to the rest? It's C Dot. Y'all already know what time it is. C Dot. So, I, I re- based off of where we're going in this conversation, you're dropping a lot of gems, you're dropping a lot of jewels. And there's a lot of people that may be listening into this that are thinking about or sitting on the fence about content creation. You know, I don't know how to get started. I don't know where to get started. I don't even know if they'll like me. I'm not good for the camera, whatever. So my question would be to those people who are kind of looking to embark or start their journey with content creation, what would be your advice to them? I'm be like, Nike, just do it. Just do it. Just start, just create, because at first you have no, you're gonna have no fucking idea what you gotta do. You have no idea, you're gonna compare, you're gonna be like, I wanna do what they do, I wanna do what that do. No, just do it and they'll find, you'll mold it. Once you keep going at it, you'll mold whatever makes you. And that comes with time, that comes with uh, practice. Sometimes you get at the first try, you do a video, it does good, and you're like, shit, how did that happen? And you go from there. But honestly, it's time and, and molding who you are. Because at first it's going to be taken about what, what you see from others. Because most of the time, contributors get inspired by other content creators. You start from somewhere. You like you see someone do something like, I want to do it but my own way. I want to do something but my way. And that way will start creating your own mold. Um, so it's just starting it. Don't think about what people are gonna say because people are gonna talk shit no matter what. Whether you do good, you do bad, people have always opinions. Uh, obviously you want the good ones. Um, so yeah, people are gonna say anything, but you can't let that hold you back. You just gotta do what you wanna do and also have fun doing it because that's the whole point. Don't start because you're just like, I don't know. Just do it because you wanna have fun. Mm. And then that, the other stuff will eventually come to time. Yeah, I agree. Again, 100%. Like, I'm in alignment with the messaging that you have because essentially what it comes down to is step one, like you said, just do it. Just like Nike, right? Just do it. Just get started. The first step is literally taking the first step. Um, And then after that, it really becomes, it comes down to putting down your 10,000 hours. It comes down to mastery. It comes down to banging on your craft. Anything that's worth being good at is worth being terrible at for however long, if you know, at the end of the tunnel, like each thing that I put out is better than the last. Um, So I I love it, man. I fully subscribe to it. So um, with that being said, Damn, I had a whole nother question and I just, oh my goodness. <laughs> this was very deep. This was just like. <laughs> I know, but I felt like I felt like I shouldn't have left that point out there on the table. Um, but it just came back to me. So, so you've inspired, you know, you've left some inspirational words for our listeners. We're gonna ask more or less like what's going on with you because, mm-hmm. right? I see the skits they're continuously coming out and I see the actually let's pivot and talk about Perfect Boyfriend because 
Perfect Boyfriend, when I came across it, like I was introduced to you through your skits and then mm -hmm. I went down the rabbit hole of like, what other content does she have? And I landed on Perfect Boyfriend and oh my God, the production value on this thing was like, I'm like, yo, this should be like a short on the CW or something like that. <laughs> like it was really, really, really good. So thank you. can you talk about like the creative process behind that, your role in that, more or less how it came to be like, Let's, let's just educate the listeners on what that series was. Yeah, so besides the sketches, um, I studied uh, filmmaking and I have a background in doing a lot of filmmaking work. So I wanted to just kind of do a little series and I based it off a manga called Absolute Boyfriend. And it was a manga that I read when I was in high school. And I was like, you know, one day I'm just gonna do it. I don't know when, but I just want to. So once I had the experience and the knowledge, I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna get a crew and I'm gonna shoot the series. And um, it was very different than the sketches because the sketches are very low budget. It's just me and the phone and some editing, but um, this one meant a lot more to me in a larger scale. So I wanted to go larger budget and I wanted to tell a story about um, this girl who, uh, who literally uh, falls in love with a with a robot boyfriend <laughs> and how interesting that can be. Yeah. But also, yeah, just um, showing a, a love that can be pretty much forbidden. Yeah. Um, but it's based off the the manga that I really enjoyed when I was younger. Now, I've never read the manga, but I think that what you did with this series was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. Like, I didn't know going into this that you had a background in film and that you had studied it in college and stuff like that. So, yeah. but there was one thing that you said that in your, in your response that I kind of want to tie back into an earlier point, and I'm just going to drill and dive a little bit deeper on this. You yeah. said, once I had the experience, this is the next step that I decided to take. So was that experience you... That, that experience that you gained, was that you putting in your 10,000 hours with the skits on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook? Or was that was there something done beyond that as well to kind of not only build your confidence, but to help you with that experience? Um, it's a mix of both. I think the, the terms of storytelling comes a lot from my sketches. The comedy comes a lot from my sketches. Um, the other side of the experience was just filmmaking, doing films in college, uh, working in an environment where I had to learn the equipment and the gear, gave me the experience that I knew to, to do um, um, a well done project and not something where I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm just gonna do it. Mm -hmm. So that's where I knew mean, where it comes to experience, it's kind of a mixture of both sketches, but also the experience I had in college and in my uh, work at college um, to make me go ahead and do uh, perfect work. I like it. I like it. And I think that's something that our listeners like our content creators can kind of take away. It was your passion started with something. You put in your time there, you put in your craft there, and that experience doing that led you to not only elevating your craft, but also led to like you doing something super, super dope, really, really impressive. And I feel like it can rival like a lot of the shit that's out there on the market right now. So shout outs mm -hmm. to Perfect Boyfriend. Um, Thank you. Anime history, I love that as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would get my um, 
I would get my red cup and I would sit down and I would watch that on Saturday evenings. I kind of binge <laughs> through the whole thing. Um, tell me a little bit about what inspired anime history. Oh, I'm sorry. It was drunken anime history. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, it was. Uh, there's a show called Drunken History, and I just kind of like, you know, let's just do it with anime. Mm-hmm. And so um, it doesn't really have much of a base besides the fact of just talking shit about my thoughts about anime while drinking, and just see how fucked up I can get and how <laughs> fucked up the conversation is going to get when I drink. Yes. I love it, man. Really good series. Really good series. Hope to see more of it in the future. Yeah, for sure. Um, before we pivot into our top five segment, um, we're at about roughly the halfway point. Please uh, let our listeners know where can they find you on social media? All right. So you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, <laughs> See Visionary. I'm just on all these ad platforms. Nah, I love it, man. I love it. C visionary. Um, I don't think they have to put the dot, but still. Nah, I think it'll, it'll show up. Okay. We can put C dot, and then hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it pops up when you do that. Very good. So we're going to pivot here very quickly, you guys, and we are going to discuss our top five dead or alive. Now, this is where I have our guest on the show discuss their top five dead or alive in anything in any specific genre. And the reason we do that is because it gets us into the mindset of the creative. It allows us to know who exactly it is we're talking to and what exactly influences them. So C, what will what what's our topic for this day for today? All right, so it's be top five badass female characters. All right, top five badass female characters, and I'm assuming this is spanning any genre. I was, I kept it anime. Okay, so it'd be top five badass anime characters. I love it. I love it. All right, so let's start with your number five. Who's coming in at the number five spot? Ooh, everybody's gonna hate me for this one. I'm gonna say Sakura. And I know people are gonna be like, yo, she's trash, she's trash, blah, blah, blah. She's a badass character. And I hate the fact she was written poorly, but she had so much goddamn potential mm-hmm. because she's a fucking beast. That's what people don't talk about. Mm-hmm. How fucking strong that character is. Like, but then they always compare her to Naruto and Sasuke, how these two are like legit gods compared to her. Mm-hmm. But she's in the damn same team. She's in team seven, so mm-hmm. she should be put in the same pedestal as the other ones for other different reasons. Mm-hmm. She's a medical ninja. Mm-hmm. She has to be on the sidelines sometimes because she has to heal. She's badass. Okay, besides the whole toxic trait about like her being obsessed over Sasuke and Sasuke ain't shit. Mm-hmm. Sorry, the ain't. No, these, those are facts. Those are facts. Like, <laughs> no, because I know. People will be like, what you said about my boy Sasuke? I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think she's a badass character with a lot of strength. And she could have been so much bigger if she wasn't down down to just her obsessing over Sasuke. No, I mean, and I'll, I'll back you up on that one because I think... Sakura, she does get a lot of negativity. Like, just, I don't believe the character is written very well, but... Yeah. Here's the thing that people don't bring up when they discuss Sakura and they talk about how useless she is, Mm quote-unquote. The thing that they don't bring up is... I don't know if you guys remember 
the fight with her and I believe Sasori, which was the puppet, yes, the puppet yes, guy. Yes, yes. While Naruto and Sasuke were having a tough time dealing with the Akatsuki, she was in there throwing them hands and doing the damn thing. So exactly. That's what let me know, like, okay, like her training during that time skip really paid off because that fight yes. is badass. That's a badass That's fight. One of my favorite fights in anime is one of my favorite fights. I really enjoy that fight because it was just like you saw Sakura as a youngin being useless. I think that's where you could say she's useless when she was younger because she was just learning. She didn't know she was being a kid and um, she was very, and Nilsa could have done better than that part with her with her character, but she was not as useful. Mm -hmm. But then you see like time has passed by and she has massive strength. Mm -hmm. Like she's so strong. Um, she learned from the best and you can see her not only using her uh, um, Healing, um, ah, I just, I just, <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm so passionate that I'm fucking up what I'm saying. I'm like, she's the best. Dude, I could, I could confidently say this. If Sakura's coming in at number five and you're that fired up about Sakura, this is going to be a really dope top five. I promise you that, man. Yeah, she was using her, um, what she used as, as a men ninja as well during that fight. And that was really, she was using all that she learned within that fight. And she still had stamina to finish said fight mm -hmm. where she only had like, what, a few minutes mm -hmm. in a certain part of the fight that she thought that she was going to not, not do it. And she just wrecks this shit. Mm -hmm. Yep, and Sa Sasori deserved to die too, man. No, yeah, he was. Oh my God, using bodies as no. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, mm -mm. yeah. W whenever they show you the villain's backstory, you know they're about yeah. to die. <laughs> they were trying to make you sympathize with him too, like my parents. Like, no, 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 bro. <laughs> No, no, no. What you trying to do with those dead bodies? No. Nah, what, what did you do with the Kazakage? No, mm -hmm. like... Is that your mom and your dad? <laughs> like, nah. Um, nah. <laughs> so who do we have coming in at number four? Okay, so number four was a really difficult one because I was stuck between Bulma and Chi-Chi mm. and I didn't know who to pick. So this is literally my moment. I'm going to choose who. Okay. Ah. I love I love Chi Chi a lot because of her strength, like in terms of character. But I think one of the badass women uh, in terms of those two is Bulma mm -hmm. because of her knowledge and her intelligence and her smarts. Speak on it. Speak um, on it. She's literally the most intelligent character in the in the DBZ Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Super uh, world. She she was the one that made the tracker for Dragon Ball. She's the one that literally helps them out whenever they need anything. Like, their family's, like, out there. Like, you want you need a hookup? You need a ship? All right, bet. Like, she's there. Her family's there. They're super... She's super smart and super intelligent. And not only that, it's just, like, whenever they need her, she's there. And I think she's one of those characters that really puts a lot in the series. And without her, they probably could have never found the Dragon Balls. They probably could have never gone to Namek. They could have never gone 
but I heard a lot of things they, they needed to do that couldn't be done. Oh yeah, no. Um, which were smarts and intelligence. And on top of that, she rich. So if Vegeta wanted to leave and be like, yo, I'm out, I'm not gonna be the baby daddy anymore. <laughs> we got money. Like so. We don't need him. <laughs> exactly, man. She's smart and got money. The the thing that I love about Bulma that people don't talk about, because again, you're you're spitting pure facts, you're dropping pure gems. Bulma is so smart that she pretty much from the future taught herself how to create a time machine in the past. Yeah. And I'm like, if you're talking about like a scientific flex, like the Dragon yeah. Ball universe doesn't move without her. When she met yeah. Goku, she might've been what, 11 or 12. And at that point in yeah. time, she had developed the dragon radar. So it was like yeah. a, a device that tracks magical items at 12 right. years old. Like she's, the, yeah. she's, I want to say as far as like the Dragon Ball universe as a whole, I don't think we've met another scientific mind that's smarter than Bulma in that universe. No. So that's a good number four. So five Sakura, yeah. Yeah. four Bulma. Yeah. Who's our number three? Okay. I'm going to go with one of the recents, um, Nezuko from Demon Slayer. Okay. Okay. I think she's really badass. Um, I think that her her badassery comes a lot with her strength that at first that people thought like oh she's you know she's a demon she's not really going to uh do anything tanjiro is very protective over her, her his sister mm-hmm. rightfully so because his whole family was like done um so he didn't think that she was able to defend herself for i guess for that being of overprotectiveness mm-hmm. but then there's at one point where she comes out of that damn box and she literally like kicks some dudes, the demons just head off, mm-hmm. right off. Yep. His head. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, you don't fuck with me. <laughs> that mess with my brother? Oh, you're gonna catch these hands. You can catch these paws. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's um, really badass, really strong, and she has a really strong mental capacity. Like she's a demon, and she still has to find a way to not, you know, numb on anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. And to do that as a demon, I think that takes a lot of mental strength. So I think she's really strong in a lot of those capacities, not only just physically strong, but mentally strong and still being enough consciously to be like, okay, I'm not going to kill anybody um, or turn anybody. um, And I'm going to be there for my brother when he needs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed her as a character. I finished the Demon Slayer manga as well. I promise no manga spoilers here. <laughs> Uh, I, I read it. Oh, you finished it? No, I haven't read it. Oh, so no. okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but mm-hmm. what she does in season one, how she steps up to help Tanjiro, it's like we didn't really expect that. We didn't really expect, mm-hmm. you know, we just see this girl that's kind of like a demon with the yeah. muzzle on. Yeah. getting chased around by Zanetsu. Like, we really don't expect yeah. her to do too much, but yeah. the way... <laughs> Nezuko-chan. Yeah. <laughs> Nezuko-chan! Yeah, uh, she's just like, girls, get the fuck away from me! Oh, my goodness. People keep trying to tell me, like, oh, no, but he comes through. I don't... I do not like Zanetsu. I do not. No. <laughs> I, I like his... His the way he, his power shows up because it's pretty badass. But as a character, he's really annoying. Yeah, like it, it, you're you're right. In season one, I just don't feel like with all the whining, I was like, yeah, I'm not fine for that as a trade off. You only know one move. Like that's <laughs> at least know 500 yeah. and be good at all 500. Yeah. Like I can't justify it. But 
Um, I like your top five so far. You're crushing it. Um, number five, Sakura. Number four, Bulma. Number three, Nezuko Chan. <laughs> Who will beat your shit? I think you. I think she's gonna come to a point where she's gonna be like, yo, like I'm gonna kick his ass. Mm. Oh, oh, that. Mm. Does that mean in the manga something else happens? Um, no, no spoilers for me for the manga. <laughs> I, I will say that if you like Nezuko Chan and if you like Zenetsu, you're in for some very pleasant surprises. Interesting. Okay. Um, Alright. So, who do we have at number two? Faye Valentine. Ah, my girl Faye. Ah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I I love her. Um, I think she's the most traumatized character. I mean, it's her backstory, uh, losing her memory, not knowing what where her family, her backstory kind of just being the shell of herself and making the best of that until she finds out uh, who she is. And um, just the, the fact that she kind of just goes with the flow and she's like a badass character within herself. Like she's, she doesn't fear a lot. She's more like, I'm going to shoot all these guys. I don't give a fuck. Like, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, if I need to intimidate somebody to get information, that's what I'm going to do. If I'm going to lose all my money and be in massive debt, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Like, she's always knowing what she wants and she lives her life vicariously so. And um, even when she learns about her memories, there's a sense of a little bit of a difference in character because she's more of knowing that that kind of emptiness of of who she was kind of gets filled um and there's a little bit of more humbleness to her in that in that sense because she kind of feels more softer but even so you still have that badass Mm -hmm. um character that i think at the end has that little arc of being being more rational yeah when she um talks to spike and being like yo like why are you leaving why are you doing this um you can't go um, she finally had everything now. She had her memories back. She felt like she had a place where she belonged. And you get to see that character evolve yes. with such trauma. And I think that makes her one of the badass, strong characters yeah, for me. I, I love her. I agree. And I think what makes her stand out in my mind is when we're introduced to her first, um, we pretty much see her kind of like thriving and flourishing like in her environment, you know, like her surviving. Um, Mm -hmm. We're not introduced to any of that trauma or any of that backstory. And, you know, just to go from that to her running up the hill to try and see if her home is still there. It was like, that was so heartbreaking. Oh my God. And that she's, yeah, sorry. And then her seeing her grandmother not not ooh, not her grandmother, but her friend, her friend. Yeah, it was nuts, man. It was just such a great way to make us care about a character in the long run yeah. and just like develop her. Yeah. That's that's one of my top fives, Cowboy Bebop, man. I love it. Yeah, I love Cowboy Bebop so much. Yeah. And I think the part where the house is really sad because she lays down to where her bed used to be. And it's just an empty square space mm-hmm. of pure debris. And I'm just like, oh my god, the emotions, goddamn! Oh <laughs> like, man, <laughs> I'm about to cry. Bokutachi, <laughs> shit! I didn't even y'all should get in this. Yo, man, still, still. <laughs> after that scene, I do remember like being so invested in the series that I kind of like had to like take a walk and like look out a window, like, <laughs> like, damn. 
Like, the piano playing. Yeah. Just, that is that one shed of tear. Yeah, yeah. That one thug tear managed to escape. Thug, like, yeah. man. Oh, man. But I was like, Faye gonna be all right. <laughs> <laughs> she gonna be good. She got this. She got it. She got it. All right. So, so let's uh, take a moment to recap. We got five, mm-hmm. which was Sakura. Four, which was, God damn it, was it Bulma? Yeah, it was Bulma. Three yeah. was Chan. Yeah. Two, I'm going to stop saying it like that, I promise. Two was... <laughs> <laughs> you don't like the character, gang. You're saying it the way the character does it. I, I don't even like subs like that. And I'm still like, I... It's it's more or less like PTSD. Like, it's reactive. Like, uh, um. Oh, my God. Nesuko-chan. <laughs> You should make a beat, right? And just have Nessica chat in the mm, background. Mm. <laughs> and then like, yeah, yeah, we'll have uh we'll have Zanetsu at the top of the track. We'll make it like kinda like really weird and trappy. Yeah. I do I do have a punchline where it's on it's on the song Listen that I did. I said, um, you niggas seeking attention, clout, non-medical, put you little bitches in a box like Nezuko. Like oh, I- <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> It was nice, man. It was nice. Yo, where's the track? I want to listen. Oh, uh, it's you, you know, you know, you know how DSPs work. You know how Spotify works, man. Like, but it's not about me today. It is about you and your top five. I don't, okay. I don't want to take that away from you. This is your moment. <laughs> okay. And all of this has led up to our number one, which would be whom? Um, it would be Michiko oh. from Michiko Ehachi. Yes. Please speak on it. Why Michiko? First of all, I gotta say that I was introduced to Michiko Ehashin really late. I mean, I'm so disappointed in myself. I I came across it various times through like images, and I'm like, who's that girl? Who's that girl? Who's that girl? What anime is that? I don't want to see it. And then I found out with Michiko Ehashin, and I saw it. Oh my god, I teared up in the ending. I was like, this is beautiful. This is fucking amazing. Why isn't this more mainstream? I, this is so underrated. Michi Wenhanch is under, underrated. I haven't heard it until recently. And then some, I saw images and I, that's all I knew about the, the anime. But Michigo is a strong, badass woman with an amazing character arc. And that was, Faye and her were like right there. But I had to give it to my girl Michigo. Um, not only that, is honestly seeing a diverse anime character. Yes. You don't get that often in anime. Um, you know, like, and there's a lot of, it's a whole big conversation about diversity in anime and whether or not, you know, um, whether or not there should be or shouldn't be, because there's this conversation about whether or not we should uh, create just our own anime with diverse characters mm-hmm. or leave it to people in Japan to do it mm-hmm. and that. But I, was with it. I think that having a diverse uh, Brazilian Latino character of color, yo, I was over the moon. And at first you think that her intentions are just like, hey, I just want to see the guy that, you know, I had had this, you know, relationship with. Um, I'm going to need you because you're going to help me find that dude. That's your daddy. Uh And I'm going to get him. And then after a while, you see this relationship built with, you know, with Hachin and just that that bond that they have together that in the end none of i think i mean in the end you do end up seeing you know uh you know she was she's a piece of shit i don't like him he's trash um man speak on it so fucking trash <laughs> yeah um he was not he's not relevant but just that character arc of just this character at first being just for herself selfless and then she becomes more and more 
um, no, selfish, sorry. And then she becomes selfless, where she cares about Hashin more than anyone else. That's like her daughter. And um, not only that, she's fucking badass. She knows how to use different types of weapons. She kicks people's ass. She like can kick 10 people's cop, like 10 cops' asses, and that's it. Yeah. She can steal a car, and that's it. Like, you cannot fuck with this woman. She will fly in with her motorcycle through the goddamn window, mm-hmm. take Hachin, destroy the shit, and then leave. Like, that's how strong this character is yes but there's more to that and i think that's the fact that herself as a character just develops and grows and has this you know caring um feeling to her that not only it's about herself now and you know she it's about her and hachin yes and you know caring for hachin protecting hachin and it's more than just what originally was supposed to be yeah and having all that combined together the diversity the music um, the environment. She's just literally one of my favorite badass I, anime characters. Dude, I agree, and I feel like Michiko and Hachin is not an anime that's discussed enough. Like you said, it's underrated. No. Uh, Afro Brazilian lead character. Yeah, I feel yep. like now again, I'm I'm not Latin or, or Latinx, but mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the story. Um. I don't feel like the characters were developed or portrayed in a way that I felt like was demeaning. Um, Again, it's not up to me to be the representation police, but I really loved Michiko primarily as a lead character for all the reasons that you mentioned. And the story itself is just so good. It gives the same vibes of like a samurai champloo, uh, a cowboy bebop almost. And it's it's really up there with those. So I caught on to it late, just like you did, and I felt the same exact way. I'm like, how did I miss this? There's there's a dark yeah. skinned female lead. Yeah. The story takes place in Brazil. Yeah. Um, and she's just like, that was like what the story starts with like her fourth or fifth time trying to like break out of jail. It was like phenomenal, yeah. man. Yeah. It starts with an action-packed sequence in the in the first few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, is and I think like I'm I'm so mad that it, that it isn't more mainstream. And because like I said, the diversity, and I think that's that's important. We need I got a whole conversation about needing the the diversity within within anime. Oh yeah. But yeah, I think it's such a such a beautiful made character mm. and having a lot of like um afro latino or afro characters inside that anime was just beautiful mm-hmm. so i think that that's that amazing i'm in, i'm inclined to agree 100 i mean you're not saying anything that i disagree with one of the things that kind of stands out to me is and you know i guess we're going to kind of dip tiptoe into spoiler territory um you guys may want to skip ahead but um when it comes to the ending, there are so many unanswered questions yeah. that I'm just like, even though those questions aren't answered, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Because the conclusion was what the conclusion needed to be from the beginning. So I will ask this. Yeah. How, how do we know that Michiko knows that Hachin is Hiroshi's daughter. Like, is she the mother, do you think? I don't think Michigo is the mom. Um, 
I think that, uh, you know, she told Michiko okay. probably something along the lines because uh, she does have a photo of the baby. Okay. Well, no, he couldn't. He couldn't have told her because he, apparently he was he was disappeared around that time that happened. Yeah. Um, but he, she probably had to find out through through a circle of somebody, a friend or someone that that knew he probably had a had a fling or something like that yeah. with somebody because she has a picture of Hachi when you know the, the they drew board and they have the same symbol so and the fact that she looks exactly like you know um hiroshi so i think probably i'm gonna say the best guess is that someone told her mm -hmm. that that was the case but i think it's a little plot hole because she does say that he was he told her that she has to protect hatching but then how was that possible if he was disappeared throughout the time that hatching was born mm -hmm. So I'm gonna go with the best guess that someone told her. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I don't think it. I don't think that hurts the story at all. It's just one of the yeah. things that I was just like, for her to take on that role as kind of like guardian protector and like a mother figure. Yeah. It was really admirable. And even though I mean, like genetically, I can't like. Like, you mean to tell me Hiroshi's genes are that strong? It's just like, fuck your genes, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I honestly think... I don't. The reason why I don't think Michiko's a mom is because there wasn't any straight connection mm -hmm. at first, because even that uh, point, uh, Hachin was like, oh, what if I told you that I don't have that tattoo? She's like, I'll abandon you. And that was in the early stages yeah. where she was not really like... She's like, you're no use to me at that point. Yeah. I don't need you. So I don't think if Michiko was a mom, she would be like, oh, I don't give a shit about you. I'm trying to get my man back. Like, yeah. no, like, I don't think that that would be the case. But I think someone told told her she got the photo and then she was trying to find the best resemblance uh, and trying to get to see if she had the, the tattoo. That would be like the best indicator. I love it, man. I love it. Top five. Thank you. Yeah. C. Oh, thank you. So... That's been our top five. We're going to wrap the podcast up here. I appreciate having you on as a guest. Thank you for coming through, dropping gems, dropping jewels, all of that good stuff. Thank you so much for having me. This is really dope. Oh, I, I was really stoked for this. No doubt, man. Thanks again. Um, so before we depart, where can fans find you again on social media? You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, at c.visionary. All right, very good. And any final words, anything, anything you want to get out before we wrap things up, or are you all set? I mean, real quick, do what you do, do what you do, what you love, have fun doing it. There has to be more diversity um, everywhere, not only in the anime community, in the comedy community, in the anime nerd comedy community. Um, and yeah, just have fun. That's it. I love it. I love it. You guys heard it here first. Do what you do. Love what you do. Create dope shit. Inspire others. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, it's been your boy D-Town, a.k.a. Hip-Hop and Anime Vibes, a.k.a. Living my life like it's Golden Freezer, a.k.a. Mr. If I Rules the World, a.k.a. Goody Mob Psycho 100, a.k.a. Sailor Goon, and in the name of the goon, I'll see you next time. Peace. Yeah,